you know, everybody talks about sales enablement and, you know, revenue alignment, you know, and at the end of the day, if you're doing ABM well, it should really at the end of the day, just have two simple things that it does. It should really help you create net new pipeline and help you accelerate that pipeline to getting to better average contract value, better customers, more customers driving revenue. So at the end of the day, that's really what it's supposed to do. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the B2BMX podcast. I'm your host, Claudia Tarico, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Kelly. Yes, thank you all for tuning in today. We are hard at work getting ready for the upcoming sales and marketing exchange event in Boston. So to generate some more excitement for the event, we're going to revisit a keynote from our B2BMX Next Level ABM event titled Advanced ABM, How to Achieve Next Gen ABM. That's a lot of ABM in one sentence, Kelly, but obviously it's such a hot topic. And this session featured Business Online's Rob Griffin and Thad Callow, who discussed the three pillars that are essential for driving advanced ABM. And these include expertise, empathy, and bold action. They explained that marketers tend to get lost in the complexities of ABM and data, so alignment is obviously key here. So with that, I think it's time to get into it. Kelly, what do you think? I think it's time to roll that tape. Welcome to B2BMX Advanced ABM Session. While many struggle to get the basics of ABM in play, some of the best brands in the business are out there way ahead, leveraging ABM to power, number one, a better customer experience, which builds those long-term relationships we're all looking for. Number two, they're finding more efficient spends. Your CFO is going to love you, right? Recession, we got to think about that. And last but not least is proving the impact to business, pipeline velocity, and greater average order value. So today we're going to spend some time. We're going to redefine ABM and its key principles and tenets. Then we're going to talk very specifically at tactical examples of how some of the best are doing it to advance their ABM programs. So let's strap in and have some fun. So with that, I'm going to introduce Rob Griffin, the VP of Performance Marketing at BOL. Rob is a federal ABM tech and data badass. He really is. And he's run innovation and media for all of Havas and BOL is lucky to have him. Rob, I'm glad you're here with me today to share some of the insights around how some of the best are doing it in ABM. Well, thanks for having me, Thad. I'm excited to be here and have this conversation today. Uh, as you know, ABM is a super hot topic uh, and of interest to me. Um, for the audience here, this is I'm here along with my fearless leader, Thad, who's CEO of Business Online, uh, visionary in the space of B2B. He's been at the helm of BOL now for 20 years. Uh, here at BOL, we're all about driving accountable performance B2B practices from demand gen and brand to ABM. Fantastic. So let's start this session by like redefining what we believe great ABM is and talking about the philosophy. So with that, um, let's just talk about how we define it, right? And advanced ABM isn't about maximizing your CPL or decreasing your CPA. It's about identifying and engaging your ICP through the AIDA funnel, progressing from MQL to SQL and ultimately, yes, to SAL, while ensuring your CTA is relevant so you drive up your LTV. Now, if you can't prove why your FAB sets you apart and all you can do is focus on your CR, your CMO is going to be SLL when it comes to ABM, ROI, 
and OKRs. How do you feel about that, Rob? I, I think that's brilliant. And I mean, hopefully uh, people in the audience are old enough to, to get the reference. Um, but I always laugh that ever since digital really became a big thing in the late 90s, like it's really hard to define anything in digital without using acronym soup. And I always think back to that scene in uh, Good Morning Vietnam when Robin Williams rattles off the, the MIA VP that's a VIP. Um, yeah, so it's always hard to define anything in this business without acronyms. So I think that was very well done, Thad. Thank you for not making me feel too old. So at least you got the joke. But let's define ABM without a single acronym, right? At the highest level, in our opinion, it's about building and optimized personal buying, journey, buying journeys for target accounts at scale. If you pull that down one layer deeper, it's a holistic program that aligns teams, right? Your sales, marketing, customer success to create precise, highly personalized customer buying journey experiences that deliver efficiency, velocity, and growth. Now, here's the key. We have three pillars that we think are essential to up-leveling or driving advanced ABM. Number one is expertise. You need strategists, right, who can help you understand who your best customers are and, and extract insights around what their needs are. You need folks who are great with the tech, media, and data, like Rob, right? And you need data-driven marketers who can align and optimize the buyer's journey from that very first ad all the way to sale and upsell, right? The second pillar is empathy. That is the key to success in today's world with ABM, putting your customers first so you can align those teams to deliver a better experience around the needs of those individuals and build the relationship you're looking for as a brand, right? And last but not least, it requires bold action, right? It's not, it is not about incremental demand gen. And in fact, if you're doing this, I'm going to say something controversial. You're likely on the path to getting fired. You have to think about this differently. You have to organize differently. You have to set up your teams to drive these strategies and leverage these new skills to ultimately deliver on the business performance you seek in building an ABM program. So, Rob, makes sense? You agree or am I off? On the, in yeah, the I mean, no, I think that's spot on, but I, I would take it a step further and, and you simplify it for the audience even a little bit more. You know, everybody talks about sales enablement and, you know, revenue alignment, you know, and at the end of the day, if you're doing ABM well, it should really at the end of the day, just have two simple things that it does. It should really help you create net new pipeline and help you accelerate that pipeline to getting to better average contract value, better customers, more customers, driving revenue. So at the end of the day, that's really what it's supposed to do. It's not incremental demand gen, you know, and how do you do it is through everything you said that with the empathy and the expertise and making sure we're building it off of data and we're able to measure and prove everything. But at the end of the day, again, for the audience, I think it comes down to two simple things. Like anything you're doing with ABM, is it helping create net new pipeline? Isn't it help and is it helping you accelerate the pipeline? And if it's not doing those two things, you're not doing ABM right. That's right. I love it. And I think the other thing that's important, and I know we know all, all those statistics, and these come these statistics come from Forrester and ITSMA, which is essentially letting us know that number one, 97% higher ROI by incorporating ABM um, than any other marketing technique, right? 87% of ABM initiatives outperform other marketing investments, according to the ITSMA. Budgets are growing, as we know that, and 84% of ABM marketers saw an improvement in reputation and increased engagement with the brand and the business. So we could go on and on because we know how important this is. But, but the challenge at hand is why do brands struggle with this so much? And over the past eight, eight plus years, we've realized what's holding a lot of these brands back. And in my opinion, it comes down to two fundamental areas. Number one is a lot of brands are selfish or are leveraging their old ways, right? They, what they want the market to know of their brand, their product or their service, 
versus an empathetic approach, like I mentioned before, around understanding the needs of your buyers throughout the buyer's journey. And number two is complexity, right? When you think about the level of complexity, it's multidimensional. First, and, yep. and if you compare it to B2C, a single customer versus an entire buying committee that can be eight to 18 people. Number two is time, you know, direct response in terms of buy now versus some of these sales cycles are eight to 18 months or longer. And you have to understand the buying stages as they evolve. Number three is the targets and the insights around understanding that you need to also target a vertical often and a horizontal in, in combination in these ABMs. Then it's multi-channel, right? In terms of understanding the best content within the best channel. And last but not least for B2B specifically, it's functional alignment, right? Sales, marketing, customer support, and products. So that's why I believe that so many companies struggle with this is the empathy first and the, the, the multi-dimensional complexity that comes with ABM. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all that, that, you know, I, I think some of it can trip, people get tripped up when they start to get into the trenches of it and they get sort of lost right. in all the complexity of what they're, but at the end of the day, it's not rocket science. And, you know, and, and to, not to go down the rabbit hole and, but, cause I know we're gonna get into some of this later, but I think some of the challenges is there's so much data, there's so much to do. There's all these intense signals, there's all this technology. Where do you focus? How do you prioritize your resources, right? Because at the end of the day, we don't have unlimited bodies. We don't have unlimited expertise and we don't have unlimited budgets. So you have to really prioritize really where is your best opportunity to win as a marketer and really rally behind that, both from a sales and a rev ops, as well as a marketing perspective. And I think that's oftentimes where people get tripped up. And I would actually back up a little bit and make it even a little simpler for the audience. And, and you know, I'm a big fan of like history and, and, and being a student and particularly in marketing, if you think about the history of marketing, I think sometimes we get lost on all the new sophisticated things. And part of the challenge of where to focus is because we lose sight of marketing best practices. And if you go back to 1967, when Lester Wonderman gave a speech at MIT here in Boston, and he was really defining the seven major principles of direct response marketing. But I actually think his principles apply more now to ABM today than they ever have. And so- What are I, they, Rob? All right, well, let me tell you then. Um, the first off is it's a strategic approach and it's not an individual tactic. It's where marketing and sales become a single affair. It's rigorous and granular. It approves efficiency. It creates direct dialogues between a buyer and a seller. It builds those dialogues into enduring relationships. It's personal, relevant, interactive, and measurable. If that doesn't sound like ABM, Dad, I don't know what is. And so my advice to the audience is, we'll unpack some of the more complex things of what an advanced ABM done right is and should look like. But I also just want to give my tip to the audiences, never forget these basic principles, because I think this will help guide you through the more complex elements of ABM. And let's do that. You know, how do we think about the notion of, of what ABM is and in, in the components of ABM and the processes with which you would apply this rigorous and granular approach, Rob? Yeah, to me, it comes down to, you know, what we do that, as you know, we talk about this all the time. But I think if you break ABM down into the components, it can't operate by itself. So first off, you have to understand your brand, you know, because if you don't have the brand right, you don't have the story right, you don't understand the needs of your audience, it can be really hard to convey how, as a marketer, your company's products and solutions will solve a potential customer's problems. And that's really, to your point, that where the empathy becomes really important. 
And then you can't throw demand gen out the window just because we're doing ABM. We still need to make sure we're generating and capturing demand in the marketplace. So you still need a core of your performance marketing activities to maintain a certain amount of deal flow and a certain amount of pipeline activity. But then where ABM comes in is you're taking the best of everything that's going on where you have key accounts that fit your traits of your ICP that are really starting to show intent to purchase signals. You know, then we shift those into a strategic ABM program. And the way we do that here, right, for all of our clients, that is we really want to start with who's your audience, where are they online, and why should they give a shit about your product? And if we apply those questions to brand demand ABM, you can really start to unpack and really prioritize where to focus your ABM activities. I love it. And I think now is the time to transition into you know, the key pillars to driving advanced ABM success. And I know as we've defined in the past and for the audience that's listening today, we're going to focus on strategy. We're going to yep. focus on identifying, researching your, your target accounts, your best potential customers. We're going to talk about activation and marketing programs, content, measurement, and sales alignment. So without further ado, I think we kick this off and let's talk about strategy, Rob. Let's talk a little about the old way and where folks are stumbling, but let's focus as much as we can around those that are driving advanced ABM strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. The focus should always be on building the new and doing it better versus getting hung up on the past. But I think a couple of examples that when you're starting to build out your advanced ABM strategy, you got to remember it's dynamic and tiered. It's not a static program. It's not a static list of traits and accounts. It needs to evolve over time. You need to refine that. You need to make sure you're aligned with your strategy between revs, sales, and marketing. And you need to stage it and make sure you understand where that buyer is in their buying journey. A couple examples of this for us, that is, you know, we worked with a couple of uh, large clients in uh, manufacturing industry, and they thought for their safety products that retail was a hot category for them. But when we really synthesized qualitative inputs from sales and quantitative data out of a closed one analysis of their account activity, they had Amazon as a client. And that was such an outlier that if you took Amazon out, retail and a lot of the companies within their ICP trades didn't match that category. So that really helped us shift our focus and our strategic approach sort of going forward. And we worked with another client um, that sold uh, Insight software uh, in the marketplace. And they thought one of their trades for their ICP was revenue of $2 billion plus companies. But when we got into the data and we really synthesized the insights, we had to strategically pivot our approach because what we realized is their sweet spot was not 2 billion plus in revenue. It was really 500 million to 1.25 billion. So again, yep. that really helped us frame and focus our strategy. Well, and what I love what you, about what you just said, Rob, is the fact that you're taking a very much a data-driven approach. Often in B2B organizations, we're so sales-driven and we're reliant upon the relationships that the sales team to tell us where we should target and where we can win. And that is the old way. The new way is saying no. What does the data tell us? What is our best opportunities to win? Where are markets shifting? You know, where do we have the wind at our back? And where can we win our best accounts? And taking the data-driven approach enables us to find new pockets of, of opportunity to target um, versus the old way of just crossing our fingers and hoping that sales is right. I love that. Let's move into our next category, Rob. Let's talk about measurement and how we prove the impact, or like we'd like to say is perish. If you cannot come back to the CFO and the executive level and show them why ABM is moving the business metrics forward, you're in deep trouble. So let's, let's better understand what the, the old way is, but more importantly, the new way of measuring uh, advanced ABM, Rob. 
Yeah, I mean, the measurement piece is really critical and often it comes at the end, the tail end of a presentation and, and it gets rushed through it. And it's an internal joke we have here at POL with the analytics team, but it's really, really important. And I think that the best advice I can give to an audience, and we go through this with a lot of clients, but we just recently went through it with a client that's kind of in the media business and they provide data services um, and insights to uh, publishers and, and large advertisers is that we had to help work with them and create a step measurement program where not every goal or metric that we want to track should be a lead generated. We need to really think about metrics against the top of the funnel and make sure those metrics are directionally driving mid-funnel metrics and engagement KPIs and activities. There's a lot of really creative ways you can use conversion goals within Google around time on site, pages viewed post-click, and really show the progression of that engagement to getting somebody engaged at the bottom. And if you stage those measurements against the uh, the buying sort of process and that buying journey, you can really create better insights. And for this particular client, we're also able to then take that a step further and really start testing, you know, direct path to conversion with gated assets and indirect path to conversion with ungated assets and really track the free efficiency and, and the effectiveness of the overall program, which we wouldn't be able to do without a staged-based stepped approach to measurement and KPIs. Yep, I, I love it. And I think, you know, I, I can harken back to an existing client of ours who is a multi-billion dollar uh, manufacturer who was very skeptical. The executive team was very skeptical around mm -hmm. the, the potential results for ABM. And having measurement in place to understand all the way from top of the funnel to you know marketing qualified accounts all the way down to you know pipeline opportunity generated three close one deals over a thousand percent ROI and multiples of millions of dollars being driven from this ABM program was essential to the success of it living beyond the first first campaign if you will and when you can get to that level of understanding business impact. Um, you're, you're the driver's seat. You get to make you know some some calls. You get to procure the budget and resources and respect you need to move this thing forward in a much bigger way. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, the, the only challenge we have there that and we see this all the time with our clients is a lot of times you know marketers will understand that, but and this is where empathy comes in, not just for our clients' clients, but even helping our clients get better at advanced ABM. You know, it's a big commitment. It can be a little daunting, a little scary. You can't start a an ABM program and then eight weeks in, look at the amount of leads you got and compared to your demand gen program and look at your cost per leads. You got to see this through at least a full sales cycle to really understand the true impact of it. And that's where getting the measurement up front is right, because that way, when a marketer makes that commitment and it is a commitment and it can be scary, you know, when you come out the other end, you're going to have the data at your back to prove that this was the right thing to do. And so that's one of the challenges we have. And we always try and push our clients to make sure we don't rush in too quick and we get that measurement right out of the gates. Yeah, it, it is exactly right. And, and I think, you know, another key area that a lot of folks tend to miss on is, is truly understanding your target accounts, who, who you should best go after, right? Who, who are going to be not only those folks who are going to move through the buyer's journey and appreciate the value proposition you deliver, but stick with you longer and buy more, right? And that's a, such an essential part to, to doing ABM well. So let's let's press into this even another layer deep, Rob, and talk about target accounts, you know, how folks have been doing it in the past and, and what are the best of the best doing um, in the future? Yeah, the, the, the TIL one's an interesting one, Thad, you know, because particularly if you do the strategy right and you synthesize all the qualitative research from sales and you, and you 
verify that and bounce that off of the quantitative insights that you get out of a closed one analysis. You know, the biggest pet peeve I have, and, you know, I'll quote George Carlin here for a second, right? Um, because this is the the risk of, right? <laughs> we need to is, <laughs> Right? But no, it, like everybody appreciates your honesty until you're honest with them, and then you're an a-hole, right? <laughs> it's exactly. one of George Carlin's best lines. And, you know, and, and, and I say that to kind of buffer myself a little bit, so I apologize to the audience, but one of my biggest pet peeves, and I challenge everybody watching this right now, Thad, is go look at what you think your targeted account list is. And if you're looking at a list that's in the thousands or tens of thousands, it's not a targeted account list. You're it's looking not. at your total addressable market. So that is the biggest challenge of really getting down to your targeted account list. And then even within your targeted account list, you have to sub-segment that down on ones that are in market, ones that are showing the most intent to purchase, the ones that are engaging with you the most. So the biggest challenge with a targeted account list is that the old way they're too broad. It's too simplistic. It's almost firmographic data that they just lifted from a demand gen program. And what you really need is to make sure you're penetrating a buying committee. You have the right personas. You have the right measurement in place. You can really get at the intent because that targeted account list really needs to be dynamic and fluctuating based on increased buy signals where you want to double down on them. And then particularly if you have a government client, we went through this with some clients because you know those government contracts get awarded at certain windows. Well, if that window's come and gone, well, I want to take those government accounts and move them into a demand gen program where I'm targeting them at a government verticalized level to stay in front of them. And I don't want to put them back into my ABM program until I get next year when I know those contracts are coming up for bid again. And so that's where those targeted account lists need to be dynamic and fluid all the time. And so my best advice for everybody is really prioritize and have really focused targeted account lists because that really will help you personalize, optimize, test better, do conversion rate optimization. And if it's too big, you can't really do any of that advanced ABM activity. And so you hit one of my hot buttons. I don't want to ramble on too much on this, Dad. It's a super hot button and you, you've got to be specific so you can actually build a buyer's journey that meets their needs, right? Uh, as opposed to trying to keep it so broad-based and crossing your fingers that you got it right. I love it. But, okay, so now we've identified some of more of the advanced ways of going after, or excuse me, of, of identifying your target account list. What are some of the ways of activating? How do you reach your best customers in the real world? Yeah, I mean, that that comes down to really smart media planning, right? It's not about outspending. It's about, again, if you have the targeted account list broken down right and you understand your vertical priorities and you've done a good content gap analysis and you know what we want to say to them and why they should care, now we have to put in the due diligence to understand the channel mapping of where are they weighting those channels based on what we think the goals are from top to middle to bottom of that funnel. And we recently did this with one of our publishing clients to really optimize and plan at a portfolio level. If you think about it, like your investment in your retirement savings, you don't put all your money in one stock. You have a portfolio of stocks and you manage it at the portfolio level. And to do media right and find that audience and activate it accordingly, you have to do the same thing. And it can't simply just be retargeting anybody that hits your website with Google Display Network. You need to be really smart about where you're retargeting, what you're doing, why you're doing it, what you're saying to them, even taking it, that media all the way through to activation and how does media interact because media shouldn't stop with the click. Somebody converts on that white paper and we're going to put them into the nurture stream. We're going to send them an email. What are we going to send them? What do we want to say to them? and making sure we're looking at it as a continuous experience. And the goal should really be to help that target audience buy versus try and push and sell them something. 
And I'm glad you went to email too, because it's a, it's beyond advertising, right? It gets into like how right. your website connects to your email nurture, connects to your AI driven chat bot and how you build that experience and hand that offer information off to sales as well as they engage. I, I love it. You know, content is so critical, right? Like what we, what we say to them, how we do it, make sure we build content that doesn't suck because often it does. It's so feature and focus benefits. It's all about us and that it's solving the buyer's problems. So, you know, do you, do you have any, an experience or a thought around this in, in terms of a best, the best way to generate content that is empathetically driven and, and meets the needs of the buyers? Yeah, you, you start out with, again, our whole process, right? Start out with the audience. What do they need? Who represents the buying committee? What are the personas? Do a good content gap analysis. Do I have the right content? You know, one of the biggest mistakes that can happen is, you know, you move into ABM and a marketer will take their content along with them from their demand and their lead gen program, which is still per perfectly good content, but it ends up being product brochure wear, which is really strong middle of the funnel, but I don't have anything at the top and anything at the bottom. You know, you remind me of a, of a client of ours that, you know, we, we, we literally assigned a client ambassador, right? Like just like a brand ambassador was like a, cu a customer success ambassador as we built out this marketing program. And they always wore the, 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 the lens of, of the customer as we made decisions. And we built the content through the hero's journey, right? Like, yep. you know, and defining that experience here, are the, who are the heroes, your customers, what's the setting and what problem is, is imperfect in their world? How do we become the guide, you know, to solve and are worth following? And last but not least is, you know, why, why do what we have is, is better than, than the rest in the market? And by doing so, not only did it win awards, um, you know, it really helped to produce some huge results from, a, you know, a, a lengthy buyer's journey with over eight decision makers in that. So I couldn't agree more. And, and the last topic I'll throw at you is, is sales alignment. And then we'll wrap up with uh, a couple of uh, final thoughts and we'll get this thing rolling. But, you know, what are some of the best of the best doing in terms of uh, aligning in sales and, and, and realignment? Yeah, I mean, we, we've done this with a number of different clients. Uh, we had one recently that was a really good exercise uh, with a manufacturing client that makes uh, connectivity devices for 4G, 5G type stuff. And, you know, the old way is you'll try and align with sales and you'll do some interviews and you'll talk to them up front and then you go run an ABM program. And, and the biggest thing we hear in the sales interviews, the sales is like, can you come back to me and give me updates? They just want more shared learnings. They know their biggest risk as a salesperson is their ability to sell is only as good as their Rolodex. And they all generally want marketing's help. They want shared learnings across sales. And so it's important to constantly go back to sales. And so ABM to me is a, a process of alignment and prioritization, but then you have to constantly go back to sales and work with sales and work with RevOps and constantly reprioritize realign on everything you're doing and to help clients with that that that's why we rolled out here at bol what we're calling the digital dossier because it really takes data from different sources so instead of sales just getting a bucket of leads or some alerts out of a six cents or demand-based sales alerts that may be pulling data from marketo that sales maybe maybe doesn't know how to use or they're not using it well we can kind of create this little digest for them to give them trending activity engagement account penetration by the buying committee, like who we've reached, what the level of engagement on the site is, what different white papers they've downloaded, where they are in the nurture stream, any other third-party intent signals that we might have to give sales an indication of who's in market, who's not in market, and just yep. a great way to share information between marketing and sales and make sure enablement doesn't stop. It's an ongoing thing. And that's what the great ones are doing. Sales I, enablement I is ongoing. And, 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 and there's a little bit of love being shared when you're able to deliver those insights, you can create velocity in the sales process, you help those salespeople close deals, and you become their best asset, right? I love it. Look, we are running out of time, we were going to talk about the future of ABM, 
and leveraging AI-driven rev tech tools, being proactive partners from a sales and marketing perspective, thinking beyond the click. But because we're running out of time, I'm just going to wrap up by saying this. Like, at the end of the day, your ABM program should be doing two things. Number one, it should be helping you to accelerate pipeline. And number two, it should be helping you to close revenue from an account perspective. And if you're not doing that and, and aren't able to prove that, um, you're, you're behind the curve. And this is the time to get ahead of the curve because as we see, there may be an impending recession and the need to prove your efficacy to the business. So with that, Rob, I thank you for your time. This was super fun. I enjoyed uh, every minute of it. And hopefully the listeners enjoyed it as well. Yep. Thanks, Seth. This was fun. Let's do it again. Rob and Thad just do such a good job of helping marketers navigate through all that data, intense signals, and technologies. And they really help us marketers understand key areas of prioritization. So with that, that is a wrap on today's episode. Thank you all for joining us today. And make sure to subscribe to the pod on your podcast player of choice. And join the conversation with us online on LinkedIn and Twitter. We would love to hear from you. Take care.